Well, good morning, my friends. I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. And in just a moment, we're going to read verses 13 through 21. And we're continuing on in our series where we are talking about habits and rhythms that we can build into our lives so that we can be better followers of Jesus, how we can uh, practice what is traditionally known as the spiritual disciplines. And we will begin, as we always should, by reading together from the story of God and God's people. And I, and I want to invite you this morning to simply listen and follow along with the words on the screen from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Tell me, my good man, replied Jesus, who appointed me as a judge or arbiter over you? Watch out, he said to them, and beware of all greed. Your life doesn't consist of the sum total of your possessions. He told them a parable. There was a rich man whose land produced a fine harvest. What shall I do, he said to himself. I don't have enough room to store my crops. I know, he said. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll be able to store all the corn and all my belongings there. And I shall say to my soul, soul, you've got many good things stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and have a good time. But God said to him, fool, this very night your soul will be demanded of you. Now who's going to have all the things you've got ready? And that's how it is with someone who stores up things for himself and isn't rich before God. So I heard a story recently of this elderly man who was incredibly wealthy, and he had received some uh, terrible news, a terminal diagnosis, and he knew he was going to die in the relatively near future. And so he went to his wife, they'd been married for a long time, and he said, honey, I, I have one request of you. And she said, anything you ask, I will do it. And he said to his wife, I want you to bury me with all of my money. I want to be buried with all of my money. And, and the wife, as you can imagine, was absolutely shocked. But she loved her husband with all of her heart. And so she said to him, okay, I will do it. She told her friends about it and they were just flabbergasted. But, but again, she loved her husband. And so if he asked, that's what she had decided she would honor his request. And so a few months went by and you can uh, imagine what happened. The man died and the day of his funeral came. It was an open casket in a church and there were lots of people there. And at the beginning of the service, just before it started, the wife walked down the center aisle with a manila envelope in her hand. She placed it in the casket and then they closed the casket and began the service. After it was over, she was at lunch with a few of her friends, and one of them just couldn't help herself. She said, when I saw you place that manila envelope in the casket, were you honoring his request? And she said, yep. I, I told him I would do it, and so I did. I buried him with all of his money, and now all he needs to do is cash the check. <laughs> yeah. Today, friends, we're going to talk about money. Today we're going to talk about not just money, but today I want to talk about our relationship with money. How do we think about money? How do we think about the accumulation of wealth and of stuff? And then very practically, how do we use our material resources to further our vision of the good life? 
And, and, and I need to start with this because the fact is for most people, money is one of those things that you just don't talk about. There's a, a, a book I recently read, The Sum of All Things by Elizabeth Hastings. She talks in particular about middle-class America and how middle-class Americans just by and large, money is one of those topics that is off limits. Sometimes spouses don't talk about money with each other. Parents very rarely talk about uh, money with their children, and certainly in good company, we don't talk about money. Even in the church, that's the case, right? I mean, you can, if you grew up in church, you remember maybe one time or two times a year on Stewardship Sunday, if you don't speak religious language, Stewardship Sunday was the Sunday where the church would ask you to give money to make your pledge, how much were you going to give over the course of the next year? And, And we talk about money on that Sunday, but beyond that... That was really a topic that was seen as private and kind of off limits. And I get that it might be a little bit uncomfortable to talk about our relationship with wealth and with things, but the fact of the matter is, if you just read the New Testament, if you just read the Gospels, start with Jesus and just read what he teaches us in Matthew and Mark, in Luke and in John, what you will find is that over and over again, Jesus cares about the regular rhythms of our life. And in particular, Jesus talks a whole lot about money. And Jesus is always concerned with how we are using the material things we have in order to love God and to love people. And what is really interesting to me is that some of Jesus' harshest critiques, when you read through his stories, some of Jesus' harshest critiques are reserved for those people who fail to use their material resources to love God and to love other people. As a matter of fact, Jesus, when he talks about hell, when he talks about judgment, the sin most often associated with the judgment of God, it isn't what we traditionally think of as sins in Bible Belt Southern culture. No, when Jesus talks about judgment, more often than not, more than anything else, what he says is that judgment will come upon those who fail to use what they have in order to make the world a fundamentally better place to help other people. See, Jesus talks about money, and so we have to talk about money. Jesus talks about our material resources being a gift from God, and so we, if we want to follow him well, have to stop and do the exact same thing. And it's not just Jesus. When you go back into the Old Testament, the Proverbs time and time again talk about people who pursue material gain and the accumulation of wealth. The Proverbs talk about how they are going down the road and the path of death and it is to be avoided. When you go into the New Testament, you can read the letters of Paul. Paul, one of the earliest followers of Jesus, a guy who wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. In multiple different letters, in his letter to the church at Colossae, in his letter to the church at Corinth, he lists greed alongside things like adultery and violence. And he says of people that are greedy, he says of people that accumulate wealth, those are the sorts of people who will not inherit the kingdom of God. And as we talk about how we want to live our best life, 
in 2022, how we want to follow Jesus well, we have to, friends, we have to talk about money. And I want to make sure you understand something as we begin this morning, that what I am not doing, this is not a stewardship sermon. I'm not at the end of this going to say, and now it's time for you from your home, watching online and on television to make a pledge to the church. That is not, categorically not what I'm going to do. I trust that you're generous to the church. And I know that so many of you are because we are able to do the work that God has given us to do because of your financial generosity. But this is not a stewardship sermon. Instead, as I said earlier, this is a look inside of our own hearts. This is a call to think deeply about one, what is our attitude towards money? And two, maybe more importantly, how do we actually use the wealth that we have in order to do good in the world? Because here is the thing. If you want to follow Jesus well, if you want to follow Jesus well, then we have to. We absolutely have to talk about our relationship with materialism. I was thinking about it all throughout the course of this week, and, and something I kept coming back to was this, that if you want to talk about this, then necessarily you have to talk about that. Let me explain what I mean. If you want to figure out and talk about how to be a better golfer, for example, if you want to have your game be as solid as it possibly can, then at some point you are going to have to think and practice putting because it's an essential part of having a solid game. If you want to do this, then you have to do that. If you want to have a healthy marriage, as I sit together with couples and I do premarital counseling with them, one of the things that I constantly stress is that if you want to have a healthy marriage, there are all of these things that you need to do, but at the center and the core of a healthy marriage is having solid lines of communication. And so if you want to have this, then you've got to do that. It's true in sports. It's true in marriage. And how much more then is it true of our relationship to God? How much more is it true as we seek to figure out how we are going to follow Jesus in this world? If you want to talk about being a disciple, if you want to talk about this, then you have to talk about that. If you want to talk about following Jesus well in the context of your life, then you absolutely have to take a deep look at how you spend your money and how you think about money. We have to, absolutely have to talk about materialism. And I'm not going to ask you to give anything this morning. And if you're not a Christian, I hope that maybe you can find some practical things to take away from this. Maybe uh, uh, walk away at the end of this sermon with a better understanding of who you are and how maybe you can further your own life. Because Jesus is this master teacher who regularly calls us to look inside of our heart and consider what is our relationship with stuff? What is our relationship with money? In the Sermon on the Mount, for example, Jesus goes even further and he says that you cannot love both God and, some translations say money, other translations say mammon, which is wealth. And so we have to take a deep look at this topic. A few minutes ago, I read to you from Luke chapter 12, and, and it's a parable of Jesus. And it begins by this guy coming to Jesus, and he goes, hey, Jesus, tell my brother to divide the estate with me. And I love Jesus' reply. He's like, man, that is none of my business. 
But what is my business is to tell you that you need to look out for greed because greed is one of those things that can so easily slip into your heart. And then Jesus does what Jesus always does. I love this, right? When, when people come to Jesus, they'll ask him a question or ask him to do something. And then so often is the case with Jesus. What he does is he tells them a story and he launches into what is called a parable. Parables are basically short stories that Jesus tells. And, and most of us might be familiar with parables like the prodigal son or the parable of the good Samaritan. But parables like this, where Jesus talks about money, they, they get skirted over. We don't talk about those a whole lot. There's a wonderful book that I want to recommend to you. It's called Short Stories by Jesus. It's written by a New Testament scholar. Her name is Amy Jill Levine. She's actually Jewish, and her way of reading Jesus is so incredibly fascinating. And at the beginning of her book, Short Stories by Jesus, Amy Jill Levine has this to say, and I think it is so incredibly important for us to hear as we look at Jesus' parable. Here's what she says. That if we read a parable and we think, I really like that, or worse, fail to take any challenge, then we're not listening well enough. When Jesus says to that man who asked him, Jesus, tell my brother to divide the estate with me. When Jesus tells that story, he's making a point that challenges his life. And Jesus is making a point that challenges ours. And some of Jesus' parables, right, they're really complicated and, and they can take some interpretive moments to figure out. But this one is actually really straightforward. What Jesus says is, look, there's this guy and he's been successful and he has lots of stuff and he has so much stuff that he can't store it all. So he builds new barns so he can keep all of his wealth and all of his possessions and all of his things. And he kicks back and he relaxes. And as the great theologian Dave Matthews says, I will eat, drink and be merry. And Jesus says that is a problem. Jesus says, once this man thinks he is secure because he has enough stuff, because he has enough wealth, it is exactly in that moment, I can kick back and do whatever I want. Jesus says it is right then when God comes and says, you fool, on this very night, your life's going to be demanded of you. And what are you going to do with all that stuff? You've wasted it all, and ultimately, you've wasted your life. And Jesus says, so it will be with all of those who are not generous with what they have before God and other people. It's actually a really straightforward story that challenges our attitudes towards accumulation of stuff. And if Jesus is telling this story in first century Israel, now you got to keep in mind, friends, in first century Israel, the majority of people there would have been peasants. They would have had poverty level stuff. And yet, even in a culture like that, Jesus understood the power of wealth to become an idol in our lives. He understood the power that money can have over us. And it is a wonderful servant and a terrible master. And Jesus says, you better check the attitude of your heart towards your stuff. It's a really straightforward parable. And we skip over it far too often because the fact of the matter is, I think it makes us uncomfortable. But every once in a while, Jesus does that to us, doesn't he? 
And if he's willing to say that parable in first century Israel with modest farmer agricultural peasants, then how much more, friends, does Jesus need to say it to us in 2022 in the United States of America in a culture that values materialism like no other in human history? in a culture that says you are worth what you can produce and you, the goal is to consume and to accumulate and how much do you have in your 401k and what portfolio do you have in the stock market? The culture of first century Israel, so not like ours. And if Jesus wants to warn the people then about materialism, how much more does Jesus want to warn us in our day? And in our age, because friends, it is the air that we breathe. I want you to stop and think about this for just a moment. I went back and I looked at a poll from Gallup that they released in 2020 about the most admired Americans. And there were a couple on the list that were politicians, and yes, that's fine, but then above those, even the most admired Americans in our culture. Do you know who they were? Elon Musk. Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, these entrepreneurs and these financial wizards that have accumulated billions, literally billions of dollars. And we in our culture hold them in the highest regard and they build spaceships for their own personal enjoyment while there are millions of Americans that don't have anything to eat. And we look at that and we say, wow, look how good they are. And Jesus has a word to say to us. I think about this. I don't know if you were reading the news the other day, but Jeff Bezos has built a $400 million yacht. I could go through some of the things that are inside of it, but it really is a super waste of time. In the news this week, the storyline was that Jeff Bezos is now sailing his yacht across the world, and he has approached this bridge in the Netherlands. And the bridge is too small for Jeff Bezos' yacht to get under. So Bezos has proposed that he will deconstruct the bridge and pay for the bridge to be rebuilt. And so he can get his yacht across. And we hold men like that up in the highest regard. And we worship them in essence as the pinnacle of achievement and of success. And in a culture like Hours. We more than ever need to hear these words of Jesus. We need to hear him say that that, friends, ultimately is idolatrous. That that, friends, ultimately will not lead you to life. That that, friends, ultimately will lead you to death. And we need to hear these words of Jesus and embrace the call to live into this countercultural reality where we understand we are more than the accumulation of what we have and we are more than what we produce, but instead our value is found in something so much bigger and better that we find our value in God alone. In a culture like ours, we need to hear these words of Jesus. And in a culture like ours, we need to take a deep look inside of the depths of our heart and ask the question, how do we feel and think about money? It's one thing for Jesus to say, hey, look, this is wrong. This is not the proper way to think about your life. 
And that's all good. Jesus deconstructs certain things and and he has the right to do that as the Lord of all creation. But what I absolutely love about Jesus is he never just leaves it there. That if he deconstructs one thing, he shows us a better way to move forward. And in our attitudes towards wealth, in our attitudes towards money and possessions, Jesus gives us a better example. So it's one thing to say, don't live like this, but now, friends, we can shift gears and we can hear Jesus' words on how are we supposed to think about money? How are we supposed to think about stuff? And I want to invite you to go to Matthew chapter 6. I want you to read Matthew chapter 6, and what you will find is this stunning declaration from Jesus where he says, don't worry about what you will eat or what you'll drink and what you'll wear. Look at the birds of the field. See how they fly and see how God takes care of them and they have food to eat. Look at the lilies of the field. Look how beautiful they are. They are clothed in magnificence and splendor even more than Solomon. And if God takes care of them, How much more, Jesus says, will God take care of you? And as we tend to think about money and accumulation and possession, we need to hear what Jesus says next. Because as we consider what is the dominant desire of our heart, Jesus declares to us in Matthew chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God. If we orient our hearts towards God, first and foremost, if we continually ask our question, how do we use the whole of our lives up to and including our money and our possessions to further his kingdom, then ultimately we will be on the right track. And there are two alternative routes in our existence as followers of Jesus. We can go the way of the world which says accumulate and spend and buy and purchase your way to happiness. Or we can hear these words of Jesus. Don't worry about those things, but seek first the kingdom and everything else will take care of itself. I'm not telling you to go and give everything away and live life uh, as a, as a, in poverty. There's no virtue in that, although Jesus has told people to do it in the past. I don't think that's what Jesus is calling us to do. But I do think Jesus is calling us to examine our hearts and to ask questions about how do we relate to money and how do we relate to things. And as we seek to have a better clarity and a better understanding of how we can move forward with a proper disposition towards those things. So we won't end up like that man in the parable thinking we've got it all when in fact we have nothing. I think Jesus gives us a couple of clues. And the first thing I would say to you is, as we seek to live well, right relationship with possessions and with our accumulation of wealth, here's what Jesus would say. The first thing is this, receive what you have as a gift from God. Receive what you have as a gift from God. Don't you ever forget that story in Genesis where God created it all and created you and breathe the breath of life into your existence, and we approach the whole of our lives as one fundamental gift. And we rely on him for the air we breathe and for the water we drink. 
And when you can consider the giftedness of this whole thing, I promise you, your posture will change and your, and your hands will be open to receive the gift. And when you understand just how good this God is who gave us this life, then you cannot help but have a fundamental orientation of gratitude. And when you live with gratitude, you will also live with generosity. So the first thing Jesus would say is this, receive this life as a gift from God. And if it is given to you, then you can give freely to other people as well. And that's the second thing that I believe Jesus would want us to hear this morning. First, receive this life as a gift. But the second thing is this, be generous to others as Christ has been generous to you. Be generous to others as Jesus Christ has been generous to you. At the core of the Christian identity is this claim on our lives that even though we are broken, even though we are sinners, Jesus died for us. He went to the cross on our behalf so that we could be reconciled to God and to each other. And if he is willing to be that generous and give his life for us, then how much more are we called to be generous to other people? When you begin to understand the impact of his generosity towards us, then friends, you cannot help but live with an expression of a generous heart that says, as God gave to me, so I give back to you. And we live with a sense of generosity. And we hear those words of Jesus, give to anyone who asks of you. And if someone asks for your tunic, give them your cloak. And we give freely because God has freely given to us. So if you want to know how can you begin to have a better relationship with money, how can you begin to have a better relationship with the accumulation of things that you have in your life, the first thing I would say is receive it for what it is. It's a gift. And it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And it's given to you by God. And so you can give to others. You receive it as a gift, and then you freely give to other people. How are you going to do that this week? How are you going to go out and express radical generosity to other people that you meet? It might be a tip that is just incredible in a restaurant. It might be seeing someone that you know has a need, and you anonymously and secretly meet it because God gave to us, so we give to other people. You know, every week I want to be real practical. Every week I want to give you steps that you can implement to take a look inside of your own heart to re-examine kind of how am I living and what do I need to do to, to maintain a solid relationship with Jesus as I seek to follow him well in this world. And, and what I want to ask you to do this week, I've actually done it before and it goes back to one of my mentors, Jerry Hill, who took me under his wing loved me not only as a pastor, but he loved me like a father. And Jerry and I were sitting one day talking about church and what are the things I need to know as I launch into this work. And Jerry said, Will, you're gonna read a lot of books and you're gonna teach a lot of theology and you're gonna do all these incredible things, but you know what? The most theological book that someone owns, it isn't the Bible. 
the most theological book that someone owns. It isn't systematics. That's a nerd word for theology. No, Jerry said, and this is so true, the most theological book that someone owns is their checkbook. Because when you look inside of the checkbook or your online banking account, for those of us that are under 50 years old, what you will find is a true look at the state of your heart. Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this week, as you consider what is my relationship to stuff, Am I using the gifts God has given me to further his kingdom and to share his good news? Or am I simply hoarding and keeping things to myself? Where I want you to start is by looking at your accounts. And I want you to write down, where are you spending money? And I want you to talk to maybe your spouse or your children about how am I using my material resources Am I using them like the man in the parable to simply store up for a rainy day so I can kick back and relax? Or am I using them to show the world the goodness of God? The most theological document that you own, friends, is your checkbook. And as we seek to live well in 2022, as we seek to follow Jesus, we have to. We absolutely have to think about our relationship with materialism. And Jesus calls us on this day, right now, wherever you are, to ask those deep questions. Am I using what I have to further the kingdom of God? And if the answer is no, today you can go in a new direction. Today you can reorient your life. Today you can decide firmly and decisively that you will make the world a better place through the gifts that God has given to you. There are two alternative routes that we can follow. May you choose well. May you choose Jesus. Let's take a few moments now, friends. Let's pray together. God, we are grateful for another morning where we can gather together and celebrate you and your goodness. And so God, today we talk about money and we talk about possessions and God in a culture of endless consumption and materialism. God, some of my friends this morning, they, they, they don't know what to do. And so God, would you convict their heart? Would you help them to see and to ask deep questions about what is their relationship to materialism in our culture of death. And God, may we see life in your words. May we see life in your teachings. God, may we use what we have to further your kingdom in this world. May that be true, not just for me today, oh God, but may it be true for everyone who is watching online and on television. God, we are grateful for this teaching, difficult though it is. May we hear these words and follow you well. God, this is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.